0: Welcome back to following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 126, and we are finishing part four
1: of Rhythm of War. Paul, how are you? Excellent. I'm excited to finish part four and uh, get into our final part of Rhythm of War. I don't think I ever thought we would actually get here. It is kind of, I mean, I, I know
0: we've said it before, but it's kind of strange to finally get... To this
2: section of the of the podcast Elliot, how are you doing well doing very well I, i'm feeling the same things i remember at us recording this podcast i think we were in like end of way of kings when rhythm of war came out yeah and and you like you know went went dark off the the internet for four days as you you know read the book straight like cover to cover and i just remember like thinking oh, man, we're, we're never going to get there. That's going to be forever. And then here we are, headed into part five of Rhythm of War as a podcast. Yeah.
0: We have a very memorable scene to cover this this week. I remembered it vividly from my first read. There's some things I completely forgot, and then some things I definitely remember. And we have both of those in today's today's chapter. Do you guys have two words to summarize this episode?
1: Uh, Paul. Yeah, my two words for this episode are... Sorry, progression. I almost knocked my cup over. (laughs) My two words for this episode are progression and destruction.
2: Okay. Elliot? As usual, I think we may touch on some similar stuff. My two words are detached and cancelled. All right. Let's use these four words and talk
0: about Rhythm of War.
1: All right, Paul, you can go ahead and go first. Alright, so progression is, I'm using the fancy schmancy term for our regrowth of Surge, which is the literal term, it's not anything fancier. Um, And I did that kind of as a symbolism or um, to point towards Maya, who we see in here, um, and some progression or healing that we've seen there. Um, As well as, like, if you look at the the word literally how we know it's like we are progressing through a lot of story lines right now. And, and a lot is moving forward. So that was why I chose progression. Destruction, um, is because silver progression means that we are finding things <laughs> that are really good at destruction or, or, or I think might be really good at destruction. Um, like our anti void light or whatever we want to call it. Um, I have a, a an inkling, that it might be really good at destruction. So uh, that was my two words, Elliot.
2: My first one was detached, which I picked specifically for the scene with Vale and how Vale detaches from Shalon in this crazy, crazy scene. I really am looking forward to like diving into this with you guys because I have a. I have thoughts and so many questions about this detachment. But then I was thinking about kind of attachments as well, both with Adolin and Maya and something kind of building there. And we see a bit of a payoff of that. And then, of course, with Navani and her light experiments and the various different attaching and detaching and combining and exploding and fun stuff she's getting into. And then I also picked Canceled. And I picked this one specifically for some of the sciencey bits that we get in the Navani chapter with the sound waves canceling each other out. Yeah, which answered it. It dove into the question that's been on my engineering brain for a while now, which was how do you come up with the opposite of a sound, a right. tone? And they kind of got into it. I left. A, I was left a little bit wanting. I'm not sure it quite answered all of my questions, but. Again, I'm I'm excited to, to talk about it with you guys. So those are my two words.
1: Sounds good. Uh Paul, do you a mug? I I do have a cup for us this week. Um, so I'm excited to say, um to, to announce our newest sergeant on the block, uh, being Mr. Daniel. If you can read my horrible handwriting. I, I honestly would like to take a brief moment to apologize because <laughs> I have been the one to put the names on the mugs, and my handwriting—I would wager—is the worst out of the three of us. Even though I don't know how Trevor and Elliot's handwriting is. Mine is, mine is <laughs> worse than worse, I promise. Mine is okay. This is my very best. This is me sitting there crafting, working my hardest to to make it presentable. Um, and and it's it's always I always feel insecure about it. So I'm so sorry. But uh we're very thankful for daniel's support and uh all of the support of of our viewers and our uh the people who support us as patrons um It helps us a lot and so um very excited thank you so much daniel for your uh, for your service as a surgeon you know thank you daniel Thank you
0: just a a quick comment on your handwriting thing my brain works faster than my wrist when i write so i get bored with like words i'm writing and and stop like and start writing the next word as i'm still writing the same the same word so i will skip letters and push words together push when together? I'm, when i'm writing mm-hmm. i don't know if other people do that or if that is just can, unique to me but i can relate i It's like your
1: hand can only go so fast, you know, you know what you're writing and my
0: brain is already to the next like three words. And so I'm I've skipped a couple words anyway. Okay, back to Elliot, what you were mentioning with your words right off the bat, chapter 93. This is a chapter and I mentioned this to our patrons in our discord channel. This is a chapter. Yes, that is true. I had I had no memory of this chapter. The next chapter I had very vivid memory of with uh, Maya, but this chapter I completely forgot about. I will be honest; I don't know if I slept through it or what when I was listening. But this was a very pleasant surprise when I when I assigned these chapters. I don't really look at the summaries anymore. I used to do that back in like early Rhythm of War and. The three books previous, I would look at the, you know, the wiki summaries of the chapters to kind of re- refresh my brain, so I could, you know, do like little character arc episodes of, and finish at good stopping points. I no longer do that because I basically don't really know the material anymore. So I just go by page count when I'm doing chapter splits at this point. So when I read this chapter, I was like. Wow this is really really powerful scene. How do I not remember this at all <laughs> so what did you guys what did you guys get out of this this chapter?
1: Well, I uh, think this whole like kinda of series of events and and things were were some of my favorite parts um We'll get more into it in chapter ninety four what was probably my favorite but um the shalon things were were really good too and um we get a lot of like reveals of of some things that we have suspected that maybe this. Um... First off, we get dialogue from Formless, which I think is really like I was really curious to see what would happen. Yeah, um, and I'm honestly curious to ask Elliot what he thought, because um, I feel like I've had conflicting feelings with all of the Shalon characters and, and things like that, and and Formless is like. Like the final boss of them, you know, and that there's a lot, but um, I'll probably let him uh, Elliot take it away to kind of introduce that more. I'm assuming I'm putting I'm putting a lot on you. I don't know if you wanted that, but uh, <laughs> I'll um, I'll totally
2: I'll totally take it. I I'm with you on the formless final boss thing. That that's a good good analogy. I I think it was one of the the previous chapters, if not the one right before this, one of the recent ones where we first saw, like, Formless spoke, you know, Formless said, and then there was mm-hmm. the, the words, and I don't, I, that scared the crap out of me, it was, oh, crap, Shalon is gone, we're never going to see her again, this is, this is the end. I think after, a- after this chapter, I'm feeling way more positive than I was when I first saw, you know, oh, no, Formless is here. I thought this chapter with Shalon was phenomenal. I agree. I think I think it's my second favorite Shalon moment ever in all the books. Behind the girl who stood up? No. Oh. Th- that would probably be top five. I think my first favorite, and I'd have to go back and, and dig it up to find the quote, is in colonar wit like finds Hoid finds Shalon, and has this awesome like pull her out of the mud moment that's the girl my favorite to you that is okay oh, yes uh, I guess I was I was stood up I was okay also... thank you. I thought you were referring to the uh the one that the the image one in your athiru when that she... is the girl who looked up and there then, we go <laughs> and then it circles
1: back yeah and come on Elliot what am i doing (laughs) yes no i i was i was with you there Elliot. in that that is my favorite scene and i also did not think that was the girl who stood up (laughs) oh
2: we should know this by now but yes that Mm -hmm. that is my favorite Shalon moment um incredibly powerful this though this felt equally powerful maybe not quite in as epic or showy as a way but that moment where veil separates from Shalon, and then Shalon and Vale have, or formless and Vale, I suppose here, have this this conversation, and then it ends with this, like I almost got emotional. This yeah. like farewell of Vale. Vale's like, I've done everything I can for you. I'm out, and then just like fades away. Is like, oh, is is Vale gone? That's what like, I gone, was wondering. Gone? gone? Yeah, it seemed really final.
0: It seemed really final of Veil vale saying, did I do a good job? Did I help? Did I protect you well? And Shallan says yes. And then Veil vale vanishes like
2: any other illusion is how the, is how the book says it. So, and, and I'll pass it back to you, Paul, here in just a second. But I think it's really telling of how far we've come and how well written this is that we didn't like Veil. Vale to start with right we we talked a lot on this podcast not necessarily recently but quite a bit at multiple times how we didn't really identify with Shalon's struggle and how it was not our favorite storyline to work with and sometimes even we talked about how we were a bit begrudging as we you know flipped over a chapter oh uh uh-oh gonna be shalon and Vale arguing again you know here we go and yet here we are at this pivotal moment in her personality crisis and i'm like I'm getting choked up because Vale might be gone. Like I've, I hadn't even realized it till I read it that I'm actually attached to Vale. I, I didn't, I don't like veil. Vale. I didn't like Vale. I, I don't think I still like, I still don't like veil, vale. but I'm like, I'm getting choked up here
1: because she's about to be gone. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So I, I feel like I have too many thoughts on this. So for one, Yes, it, we we've talked about on this podcast before. We've talked about how Shalon, especially from the point of kind of all of these different person, like different persons with Shalon, um, how it, it was one, it was a little bit difficult to track at times. Like there, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know. But a, if I had to pick a not Shalon Shalon character, like Shalon is my favorite. Actual Shalon, I like Shalon. Mm-hmm. Um, with between like Veil and Radiant, I've always liked Veil way more. And I feel like Veil came about from a more practical standpoint of it was like, I need to be undercover, sneaky, right. brash, street smart, you know. And Radiant, on the other hand, I've never liked Radiant. And I think, now I'm thinking about it more, I think it may have been a lot of, because... I feel like Radiant came up because of like insecurities in Shalon. Not necessarily from like a practical standpoint of I need to do this, but Radiant was the one who was well spoken and well, like, you know, forthright and strong and, and stuff like that, uh, where Shalon didn't believe she could be. Um, and and i think maybe that's why cuz i was like no Shalon, you can do this you can do this you know and so it was almost more frustration tied in with radiant but veil vale, i don't think i had those feelings associated and so um at least that's why i'm thinking i would i liked veil vale more more maybe but what? you you have a good point uh, Elliot, in that um this did like i i didn't expect veil vale to like dissipate here or like or anything and uh my so while we're talking
0: about v- radiant and versus veil vale, i always thought that it made more sense from a character standpoint if radiant would actually emerge before veil vale. if so if you remember back to words of radiance uh shalon kills tin and kind of absorbs a lot of Tin's training into Vale. But before she really finishes that process, she has to confront the high court of the high princes and she has to like compose herself as Shalon, and you know be be well-outspoken as a, you know a lady of Yaakovet or whatever. And then it's not till Oathbringer that we get Oh, Adolin needs me to be this scholar warrior like regal person. That's not Shalon. I'm going to create radiant. but I I always had an issue with that because I was back in words of radiant. she was like she Shalon showed that she was capable of that and she was capable of politics and courting Adolin. like she she did all of that as Shalon. And then suddenly in Oathbringer, you have to invent a new persona to do what you are, were already doing. I, I I, thought Radiant should come earlier than Vale, but that's a whole nother conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I can see the ways that Radiant has been used, specifically, like, that Radiant has killed someone, and quote, Shalon hasn't, you know? Right. Um and, and that and that's honestly like I feel like the only thing that I could really point to with this point, because I I've I've like I don't think it's unknown on the podcast I have not been a fan of Radiant for the reasons that you're mentioning Trevor I feel like Shalon can do these things and we've seen a lot of reasons why she struggles to do these things but we have seen her her do them and so right. I kind of was really hoping for like a. Personal growth, like the girl who stood up. I loved that scene. I loved it so much, and I was really hoping for like a change within Shalon. And you know that there, there were changes and there's there are things that have shifted. Um, but I, 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 I miss Shalon. You know, I just kind of, um, I, I was, I've been annoyed, I guess, a bit with Radiant, um, like the 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 purpose for Radiant and things like that. So.
2: I think I think of Radiant as the contributor towards the war effort. Ra- Radiant is the fall in line soldier side of of Shalon. Whereas, yes, Shalon Shalon can hold herself in court and can handle the politics, but Shalon's a little too spunky and a little too rebellious. Radiant is the much more calm, settled, can take orders like that. That's Radiant's job is to take orders and, and execute them. Yeah, that's true.
0: So, we get several reveals in this chapter, and I guess we can pluck them apart. One, Radiant killed ELA, confesses to killing ELA. That's, that was a question we had at the beginning of this book of how did ELA die right in front of us. And... Yeah, apparently it was Radiant knew that Shalon was considering killing her, and as they walked out of the room, she just did it before Shalon could so th- to protect her. And then another... We get a couple reveals about Shalon's other cryptic. She did indeed bond a cryptic before Pattern that we find out in this chapter. We'd guessed that a couple episodes ago. And that is that is indeed what happened she bonds a cryptic do you guys remember there's a well i won't fish for it i'll just give it to you there's a there's a line that says the cryptic came to her at a time when great darkness was spreading in her family do you guys remember that line yeah i think so did you, Basically. Guys, did you guys get anything out of that line? Or is that just no like, is that just referring to her mom and her dad being terrible people?
1: I mean, I associated it with the things that we've seen in, in Words of Radiance, like the flashback scenes. I've always wondered that we always saw this like there was some shining thing in a box or behind a door or something like that. Which we've had lots of, I've thought on a lot of things about that. Is it a dawn shard? Is it pattern or whoever. And my thought is maybe that's that cryptic in some capacity, right. but um but I, I don't know. I I've assumed it was tied to that. Yeah,
2: I didn't immediately associate anything additional to that other than yeah, her father was not a great person and her mother also potentially not a great person, although we don't know a whole lot there.
0: Right. So, Shallan con- confesses to herself in this chapter that she killed her mother accidentally, or as soon as she did it, she wished she hadn't, and she wished she'd been the one to die. Like, as a seven, eight-year-old, I don't remember how old how old she is at this time, but she k- kills her mother, and then I think later that day, debonds her her spren says i don't want you anymore you're nothing you never were anything and that's that's how she kills her her original spren and so going back to your light in a box thing paul i'm fairly certain when she does that she's killing her spren so it becomes a normal shard blade at like this is recreant style. I'm debonding my spren. It becomes a normal shard blade. Oh yeah. And her father keeps the shard blade in, in a box, and it and it's like glowing. That that is my interpretation of that. I don't know if that is spelled out or if that is accurate, but that is my guess.
1: I could see that. Yeah. That we we've had a lot of shard blades dance around Shalon's storyline, which is kind of funny. I think. Yeah. Um and that, that would make more sense because I was like, we've got like two spren and a shard blade and like <laughs> you know, all but, in her childhood. That actually brings up some interesting questions though. We
2: we shouldn't we shouldn't derail too much because we have a lot to cover here. But if that is true, that Shalon's killing of her original spren did create a I'll say traditional shard blade, because that was the first shard we ever saw. That makes some of those scenes a little weird if you think back to her family. If yeah. I I would see that playing as her father would know exactly what a shardblade is and would use it to attain some power or self-defense or something. I think back to when, you know, Helleran shows up and draws a shardblade. Everyone's like, "Whoa!" would that have been the reaction if he had a shard blade in his closet that he had access to like,
1: mm, Hmm.
2: And then pull the string a little further.
0: What shard blade is she using in words of radiance? Pattern, right? That's pattern. It's not pattern. Her third ideal is not till the end of words of radiance.
1: But didn't we have a distinction that like aren't our lightweavers on a different set of rules than with shard blades and things like that and ideals than are like windrunners?
0: We made that assumption because we assumed that Shallan had her shard blade before her third ideal. Right? Yes. Because we knew that yeah. Shallan had her shard blade when she was young, but she's just now swearing her third ideal. So what are her rules? We don't know. I'm wondering, and this is a genuine question: did she kill Tin with this original, with Shardblade 1.0 before Pattern was capable of doing so? Because at the time, Pattern is the little, you know, poke around, do nothing, Mm -hmm. spren. Just buzzes. Yeah. And she's barely having conversations with Pattern at the time. And then she pulls a Shardblade to kill tin she also pulls a shard blade and here's here's another part of it she pulls a shard blade to carve out the stone in the kaladin scene that's what i was thinking of when you mentioned which radiant shard blade by the way and it changes shape for her it changes into like a little dagger so Mm -hmm. that it she can carve a hole so then it is that pattern because it's he's then alive at the time yes but pattern, I, I would say a definitive yes. I think it is. But still if a yes. you remember back in the scene, pattern is busy creating an illusion to distract with Kaladin. Pattern is not with her in the scene. If you go back and reread it, and she pulls I a shardblade anyway. I need to
1: reread it. I guess so, I'll need to reread it. But I thought so. Is so she in that case? Then she did not kill she did not kill the spren as a child. That would be that would be the
0: insinuation. Yes, is but that But then
1: she would have two spren. But this correct.
0: And then this spren would not appear to be a dead eye. And it does appear to be a dead eye in
1: in shadesmar. Yes. So, so then it's like when did it die and probably, I would guess with all this like formless nonsense or something. But can you bond two spren then? That's pretty cool. That's a great question. Can you bond um, two spren? I still think it's pattern. Because that opens a large can of worms. It does. I'd be down for dual wielding uh, Spren blades, you know? But maybe we'll find out if uh, Maya's res- resurrection, uh, restoration also, turns into, like, a thing, yes. and they bring back this Cryptic Deadeye too for Shallan, you know? That,
0: yes, that also feeds into this, of mm-hmm. is, is the death of a Spren permanent?
1: Um, which, which we know yes it's and not. no, usually. Yeah, we haven't seen like she, her eyes are still scratched out and things like that, right? My like she's not like quote alive again, but I mean she just spoke, so I mean there's a lot going on there and a lot to be had. So I think that they can and restore, but it's just gonna take time or. My, and then, Something.
0: if you remember back in Words of Radiance as well, Kaladin almost kills Syl. And Kaladin says, I thought I killed you when she comes back. And Syl says, I was only as dead as your oaths, Kaladin. Mm. And so apply that to Shallan, because Shallan's oaths are crazy weird, her oaths yeah. for pattern are, I killed my father, I killed my mother. And that's her two oaths. Her two truths that she speaks. But when she... When she's bonding, pattern one, she has yet to do either of those truths. So, she then has to revive whatever those truths are as a kid. So, there are so many applications in this one chapter of peeling back Shalon's storyline. Like, what pattern, or what Shardblade is what? What is, when is, when is Shallan? It's a great question. I don't know. There's so many minutiae of her timeline
1: that gets so confusing now. Mm-hmm i I will say i it's difficult for me to track with the lightweavers. like I'm like, okay, so with our other knights radiant, yes, they go back on their oaths, they break their oaths, like they devolve, I guess as a, as a radiant. that makes logical sense. This doesn't make sense to me, because obviously the spread like know what these truths are, and they know what they are deep down inside somewhere, and they say to them, how do you go back on that?" do you stop believing that that's true or a lie or... Because they're called... Pattern always refers to them as lies, but they're truths. So it's mm-hmm. just... It's all kinds of... a mess. And... Yep. I-
2: <laughs> well, and it, it doesn't help, too, that on top of Lightweavers being confusing, which I'm just not quite sure if it's Lightweavers that are confusing or if it's just Shalon, Because right. Shalon has this other factor coming into here into play here where she has this kind of not kind of this very selective memory right she can she can basically choose to completely suppress memories or bring them back and we already know that what you think of a sprint or what you expect it to be it can become and so you could almost run with that and get to some kind of place where shalon can like flip on and off off her oaths at will that she Mm -hmm. can like remember where she was and, Oh no, I, I've broken them or she can kind of suppress that and no, we're back to, you know, pattern. It's almost like she's, I don't know, bouncing back and forth between different states of bond with her, her spren because she can so completely just, you know, step in and out of
1: personalities. Mm hmm. Would you like to hear my newest really hot, really crazy theory? I would. Oh dear. Galan has been to the Night Watcher. Suppress suppress some uh some memories. Yes. Yeah, so, so I was thinking about her memory while you're talking about this and how she has like a perfect like photographic Right Perfect memory. Yes. But there's all this and so you know, we're like okay, it's the question is like, okay, when? But her dad is her family's crazy, so I'm sure one of her parents or sibling or someone just took her to the Night Watcher as a child and was like, "Please get blessed" or something, and some craziness unfolded. But, um, but maybe that's why we see an impeccable memory. Like having a photographic memory is not normal. Like that's crazy. Like it's crazy to fathom and and to be able to do that like so well and so perfectly. But it's. There's, like, the tainted side of it of, like, suppression and, like, almost not believing her own memories, you know. And so that's my crazy hot new theory that I'm going to try to cling on to here. So I kind of like that, to be honest. It'll be a book five reveal. It'll be, like, dun-dun-dun. I forget her parents' names. They had this child and they took her to the Night Watcher or something. That explain a lot of just weird things.
0: <laughs> ask ask for uh, photographic memory, and then the night watcher's like, yes, but only one of your personas. I'm splitting your personas into like four I'm now, sp- and yeah. only one of them gets photographic <laughs> memory. <laughs> ah, <Sometimes>. dang
1: it.
0: <laughs> That'd be crazy. All right. Anything else? I mean,
1: yeah. We mm-hmm.
0: you, you can keep. You can keep going if you want.
1: I don't need to. I was just thinking that would also explain some of the like why she has so many personas and so much just so much stuff. It's like mm-hmm. the blessing you get photographic memory, the the curse. <laughs> <laughs> you have a horrible family life and trauma and multiple personas and. It's not worth it for photographic memory, in my opinion, but uh <laughs> you know.
0: Something in this chapter, trying to get back on track here, um that I I don't want to skip over that I think is actually really powerful. I didn't I didn't uh catch this on my first listen. I I read this chapter and before she goes to confront Kalak or Kill is her original plan, and but before she does that, Pattern interrupts her and says, "I've been talking to Wit, and Wit told me to tell you two things. We trust you, and we love you. And I think that is really, really powerful. That Wit went out of his way just to tell Shalon that, and a time that she that he knew." that she needed it because of Pattern's reports to him that she's been sliding. She's been sliding. Just tell her we trust her and that we love her and that will be enough. And then at least that scene. So I think that's really
2: cool. So cool. I love, love that method of, of picking someone up of acknowledging that they're broken and putting your faith in them anyway. And the power that that can have for someone like Shalon, who's in a in a broken place, that was so that was so cool. I agree. There was another really cool moment in this chapter that I don't want to miss, and that's Adolin at yeah. the beginning of this chapter. Before she even leaves, <clears throat> she's full on formless at that point, and she's on the mission to kill Kalak. She's leaving. And Adolin says something, which is going to come back up later. Yep. And that's his little metaphor that he, he spins into of, let's see the one, the version he uses is who do you think is stronger? The man who has walked his entire life or the man with no legs who has to pull himself along by his arms. And then I guess is it veil that brings this back up with formless later in their discussion of where, where is strength is strength in the person who's always been strong or is it in the person who's had to fight every day of their life to get through the hard stuff and makes it who, who is stronger. Yeah. And the, you're, you're, initial response to a lot of that might be, well, the the person who, you know, the Olympic athlete who achieves, you know, greatness and and is stronger than anyone else. Sure, they're stronger. But what I think this brings up is a a suggestion that in in a lot of ways, it's actually the person who's been weak their entire life, the person who has struggled and fought, just like Shalon does every day with her emotions, with her lies, with her trusting herself, with her personality, that she's she's fighting with. I think pattern pattern encourages her on this, Veil encourages her on this. You fight every day, and that makes you strong. That weakness is your strength. That that is such an encouraging like message there. That's phenomenal. And I love that it starts out with Aiden. It comes with from the beginning. Yeah, I agree.
0: What did you guys think of the well, I won't I won't frame the question. What did you think of the line I'm your veil, Shalon"? Did you guys catch that?
2: I most definitely did. And it it felt like kind of the the closure of something we've we've kind of known all along. Ever since Veil vale showed up, we we knew that that whole mechanism there of the split personalities was a way for Shalon to shield herself, right? It was, I need to be able to do this. I can't really do this or I can't be vulnerable enough or I can't be confident enough. So here's a persona, veil, vale, who's going to protect me and, and do this, deal with the hard stuff that I can't sort of thing. But for this to kind of come full circle to Vale being able to say that I was your veil. I protected you, but then says, "But you don't need that anymore. Yeah, you don't need that protection.
0: You you are me just as much as I am me. Everything I can do, you do as well. So I'm no longer needed." I think that's a really cool,
2: really cool line. And like that's the moment that like makes me choke up a bit, and that we, we mentioned it before that that feels. There's a finality there. Yeah. It's like, I'm done. I've, I've completed my purpose. You don't need me anymore.
0: I, and I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if Vale is gone. And I'm also wondering if Radiant is gone. But it's specifically... This conversation is specifically between Vale and Shalon. So I'm wondering if all three of them are gone and it's just Shalon now. Or if it's just Vale who's gone... I assume formless is also gone. Formless was never quite there and Vale calls her out on that. I'm saying formless isn't here yet, you just want to think she is. So don't do this or else she will be is Vale's claim there. And so I I don't know. Do you guys think Radiant is still here or and do you think Vale is still here?
2: I'm not quite sure. It feels oh. like it could be that moment where they're gone. Shalon, and, and it even talks about that formless is like elements of all of them. Is yeah. this the process of kind of reforming into Shalon of the different elements that she had kind of split herself into? It feels like this could be it. But the fact that Radiant didn't really participate in this a whole lot makes me think that there's kind of an un finished business there right that still needs to be perhaps completed
1: that's what I was thinking too as we've talked about this it feels like it's it feels like a okay yeah you don't need me anymore like you've you've grown in this so veil vale kind of dissipates and over time maybe the rest will dissipate as Shalon kind of comes back to her ab- abilities I guess with these things or growth with these things. Um, where at the end, I mean, I could totally see, like, later on, Shalon like, thinking back, almost like, like, dear friends, uh, for, for, for Vale and Radiant, you know, um, but yeah, I could honestly see, and I would like to see kind of, like, a dissipation of these as Shalon like, comes back, I guess, um, right.
0: Anything else for 93? All right. 94. I vividly remembered this scene from my first read because it is the scene that we've had, that we've been waiting for, for what, two books now? When we knew that something special was happening between Adolin and Maya. We didn't. we didn't quite know what it was, but something something was happening there, and the Honor spren pull Maya forward as the final witness, and they're just expecting to use her as an example and shout and yell at Adolin for how dare he be here while you enslave this Shardblade spren, and you have no ground to stand on, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and... As they go forward, and it keeps the scene keeps going on and on and on, and there's multiple different angles that they attack Adolin, Maya gets more and more agitated until she makes eye contact with Adolin, and Adolin says, take my strength. And then Maya has a voice, and Maya calls, that we chose. Which, putting aside all of the future ramifications of that sentence, what did you guys think of the of this trial scene.
1: I think this was my favorite scene of our episode. Um I, I loved how played out so so that's been my big question as long as Adolin has been down here and once he got into this hole, I will go on trial on behalf of All Knights Radiant. Like, okay. <laughs> how are you gonna do that? Um and, and we see that here. And I what I love most about this, so the, the Sprint have kind of set him up to fail. Um, he's been brought in with all these witnesses to show that Radiants have killed Sprint and how it is not sustainable or safe for them to bond with with humans, with the Alethi or um, anyone. And then it wasn't really his... His words were very well put, and I loved it. I loved the dialogue. That was like my personal favorite like part, but it wasn't like the dialogue that made the biggest impact. Yeah. It was his care and his relations with Maya, his shard blade, who is a dead ice who he didn't even, I, I don't think he ever had adoration for his shard blade because like, Oh, this is one day going to like, you know, help me in a pinch like, like this in a, in a court sense. Um, but it showed his like his genuine care for uh for his shard blade and for Spren, if you will, um, and how his like genuine care translated into Maya being able to speak, which is unheard of, um, and and carried a lot of weight here. And I just thought that was a really cool culmination because I was thinking back to is it Words of Radiance like before his his uh duels like talking to his shard blade and, yep. and things and it was like a ritualistic thing for him and i just was thinking about that the whole time and and how cool that is
0: yeah that is that is one of those rereader uh views for you if you go back and reread the stormlight archive Adolin always talks to his friend, even in the way of kings he's ta- he talks or er, talks to his sword as if it's you know Part of his family or something is is aligned in the way of kings. And when you read when you go back and read that now, you're like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> that'll yep yeah. okay
2: and and the words that come out of Maya's mouth when she does speak, oh man, just just when we thought we understood what had happened. And and we're gonna flip things on its head again. Of two words, two simple words, we chose. And and I, I related to the chaos in the scene, with all the spread like going crazy because that's kind of what my head was doing in that moment. Was like, wait, but if that, oh, but if wait, oh, oh, okay you know that kind of thought going on as we realized that the recurrence was not what we thought it was and i was glad that adelin and blended i think kind of had a chance to dissect it a bit afterward yep because the implications of this are pretty big right i was i was still a little bit torn though I'm still not quite sure this is everything.
0: Right. Well, and that's we what blended into, says was Yeah. Well, now we have more questions, not
2: fewer. Like <laughs> I I I may have fewer than I did before because this this is this is very helpful, right? This explains quite a bit. We were searching pretty hard for the why would the radiance kill hundreds of spren. Who they are bonded to as, you know, best friend type thing. Yeah. What would be so terrible that they they would all kill their best friends for that? Well, we realized that, one, the Spren had a say in it. It was not a betrayal. Yeah. It was a active decision by hundreds of Radiant Spren pairs. And... It's not entirely clear, but it seems like from what we were able to get out of of Maya here that they didn't know necessarily that they were going to die. Right. It it was a, hey, we need to break this, but we're not quite sure what's going to happen. I'm sure it's going to be unpleasant, but we need to do it. The question I'm left with is still kind of that, well, but what is the reason for all this still? Right. And we we've gotten hints at it, and we think our our latest theory, at least my latest theory, was the whole parchment event, where yep. they we know that they captured ba'ado mishram ba'ado mishram yep the the unmade, and that act imprisoned the singers within their own minds, creating parchment right so. Kind of based on that, the theory we've kind of settled on for now is that the Radiants saw that happen, realized that they had crippled an entire race of beings and were like, oh, that was terrible. We need to make sure that never happens again. So we're going to break our bonds. Right. But I'm not. I don't know. I just have this kind of itching feeling that that's not the whole story, that there's something else there. And I don't know what. And
0: exploring that idea, if that is really the reason, a little bit more. I So I assume what happened with Ba'idomishrim is this. And I've waited a long time to say this, by the way. What I assume that happened with Ba'idomishrim is this, is that they found out that Fused were tied to a specific Unmade. And them being able to come back to Roshar was bound to Ba Edo Mishram because she is the unmade of like either cognitive shadows or Everstorm Spren or something 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 in that classification. So they figured out oh we can imprison Ba Edo Mishram and stop the fused from coming back. And that's how they that's how the final desolation happened and they it was the same thing that had been happening, except this time bot in a was no longer on Roshar. But in doing that, the byproduct of stopping the fused from coming back was we have stopped all spren from bonding in gem hearts. I th- is the bridge I'm willing to jump there. So in, so the byproduct of the fuse never being able to return is the entire singer race now no longer has forms to adopt and they are stuck in what they call dull form of sprintless form right so and that and that's what they finally were saying uh like this is no longer acceptable but i don't know if i'm completely sold on that because like we've said, like we've explored before, the recreants specifically happens after the final Desolation, and who are the Knights Radiant fighting exactly? Well, we've gotten a few hints of, well, are the Unmade... Like, the Unmade tried to start the fight before Odium came back, and maybe that's who they were fighting, or maybe they were fighting, like, the Listeners is a, is a possible outcome, and the Listeners made them change their perspective on there are still... You know, there's, I don't know, there, there's several conclusions that you have to jump that I'm not com- comfortable jumping, so, and or that could not even be the reason,
2: so. And I think I'm starting to build up enough scar tissue as well at this point of thinking I have it figured out, only for it to get turned on its head later. Right. That I'm kind of now in the point of like, well, okay, but I'm sure another twist is coming. Like, that's where where I'm at now.
0: Yeah. Anything else for the, I guess, the whole plot line? Because we don't hear from them until the, the end of part four. So anything else for
2: Adolin and Shalon? Just a brief mention of, in addition to saying we chose, Maya also screams out a phrase that I loved for its relevance to our, our major plot arc in Oathbringer. yeah maya says you cannot have my sacrifice which is fantastic because that dives into the whole i chose this i decided to sacrifice myself you cannot take that away from me and blame them for it right and i love the parallels between that and between to dalinar's choice in front of odium of you cannot have my pain. And I thought the, the similarity that there's was very, very obvious and very powerful. And I'm sure intentional, very well earned too. Like it doesn't seem too cheap
0: to me. I I really enjoyed it.
2: Uh Uh Yep. That was
0: it. That was my last thing from 94. All right. So our, our last flashback chapter of Part 4 is a fairly quick chapter, and it's Venley running in circles at the end of Words of Radiance. She has everybody out there singing for the Ever, to summon the Everstorm, and she's really thinking to herself, what have I done? Like, what is, this is the end of the world. Why, why am I here to witness it? How did I get here, is what she keeps asking herself. And there isn't that much more to this scene besides this is pretty distraught Venley at the time. She sees Eshenai fall fighting Adolin, falls into the chasm, and she's she describes herself as pretty emotionless for it. She when we find her when we find Eshinai at the bottom of the chasm in Oathbringer, uh, Venley does have an emotional reaction to it at that to- at that point. But here, watching her fall into a chasm in shard plate, she's not sure if she's dead. So that could be a little bit of it. But she even questions herself, well, why do not why do I not have a emotional reaction to to that event? I just watched Esh and I fall two hundred feet. Probably like, likely to her death. Why do I why do I not care?
1: That's really curious to me. I, I don't know what to make of that exactly. Like yeah i expect an emotional thing i i mean i feel like our persendi emotions have been different like it's it is different from our our alethi characters and our human like side so in my head i kind of chalked it up to that like maybe it's like diff- different you know like not as much like remorse in retrospect for things like that um but that that's me being a little too logical, like li- like worldly, logical. I think there's probably some answer for for something that's going on with Finley. Um, maybe it's just like conflicting things internally. I mean, she has a void spread and a radiant spread, so I think that could definitely play into play into this. Yeah. Um. She does Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of it past that.
0: She doesn't have her radiant Spren yet at that point, but I do think it's related to I've I think it's related to Odium's presence at the time because Odium's whole thing is surrender your emotion to me, and she's just summoned the Everstorm, um. So I I feel like it's it's tied to that because she mentioned something about. She feels a presence of that's feasting on the, um, like the emotion and um, feasting on the passion that is, which could be the thrill, but it also could be odium. So I, I'm not because sh- the thrill is there before the everstorm. Odium shows up with the everstorm. So I don't know which one you could tie that to. Um, could make an argument for either one, but I would, I would chalk it up to. She's just summoned the Everstorm. She doesn't want to face the implications of that. She surrenders her pain to Odium,
2: like we've seen Moash do. I picked up on this intense conflict in Venli, where she still has the desires and urges that her Voidspren has kind of fed into her. This, I deserve this look how powerful I am. I just made this happen. This is my storm. I should revel in it. But then like the very next moment, she's, you know, cowering back behind a rock in fear of, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And she's like constantly flip-flopping between the two of these of, ha ha. I just tricked that, you know, human into not killing me. He, I'm the most important singer here. He should have killed me to, like you were talking about the storm of, you know, feeling this presence and just this maybe shame of what have i done it it's like she feels the the arrogant emotions but then immediately feels guilty for that right after right
0: the next the next chapter is a present day venley chapter Venly has just received the info from Raboniel that says there is a group of listeners that survived the Everstorm and the Highstorm, and they are still living near the Shattered Plains or to the east of the Shattered Plains-ish. And she goes to... Or Relaine finds her, I should say. She doesn't go to Relaine. Relaine finds her. And Venli... We, we finally get the... Venley tells Relaine of everything that we've been learning with the flashback chapters. Of I had a void spread before everyone else did. I was behind summoning the Everstorm. I wanted to kill these listeners that got away because they wouldn't take on storm form. He con- she confesses all of that to Relaine, and Relaine, rightfully so, says, "Oh, well, I thought I was a traitor." When I was having a soft spot for Bridge Four, I and I love the I love the term the phrase he used this he uses, I didn't have the first notes of what it meant to be a traitor, is what he says at the end of the chapter, which I think is really cool in world use of I had no idea. I didn't have the first notes. Anyway. Um so Venley has finally revealed everything that she's done to someone, and it's Relayne. And she, I don't think she's revealed timber to anyone yet, but she has revealed that she was behind the summoning of the Everstorm. So,
2: I liked Relaine's comment in here, though, or the cautionary comment of, "You're playing into her hands," her being Raboniel, right? Because we've seen Raboniel done this. We've seen Raboniel do this before. Where she'll feed somebody, usually Navani, a thread, let her pull on it, and then you realize at the end of the the thread is exactly what Rabonio wanted you to do, right? Right. And this feels exactly like that again, of she has told Venli, hey, you're free to go. Oh, and by the way, your people were just spotted right here. All of that, based on what we know of Raboniel, just screams to me: she's manipulating you. She wants you to do this, and Relane points it right out. And Venley knows it, but wants to do it anyway. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very worried there. I don't know what to be worried necessarily of, it seems like Raboniel has bigger fish to fry. But I've learned that I've learned enough now especially given the next chapter (laughs) that Raboniel is always has a hidden motive. Yes. The next chapter, chapter
0: 97, it's the last chapter of part four, kind of whiplashes in the middle of, in the middle of the chapter. Navani is fun. We finally get the Navani did it. She, she finally did it. She find, she found what she's been looking for for years. And, well, she didn't know she was looking for it for years, I guess. Um, but she finally finds anti-void light, and then Raboniel comes in and discovers it with her, and then just stabs her daughter in the chest. And the whole the whole chapter just whiplashes like immediately. Of this is an emotional chapter, by the way. Like this is not a science chapter. This is also an emotional chapter.
2: What do you guys think? I wasn't ready for that whiplash moment. That's for sure. Cause I was so, just like you said, I was so focused in on the sciency part of it and figuring out, okay, so she did exactly this and then that worked and okay. And then the vacuum chamber and all right, bingo. And then, whoa, we, okay. Somebody's dead now. Got it. Okay. And it, it seemed, it, it's just screamed. Raboniel all over it. Like this is Raboniel in a nutshell. She's incredibly logical She's incredibly smart and scientific, but she's also manipulative and ruthless all at the same time. And she has already pre-planned this moment hundreds of years ago, probably. She's seen her daughter go through this, this misery, and she has planned out, I'm going to discover this one day. And as soon as I do, I'm going to use it to kill her, to free her from this pain. And she doesn't hesitate for a moment. As soon as she has it, she whips out the dagger and she stabs her. Just, oh, man. I I wasn't ready for it, but Raboniel clearly was. Right.
1: That's true. I I I agree with everything. I don't know if I have much more to add on top of that. I, I like the perspective of Raboniel's probably thought about this for a long time. Um, and I think that's the important thing to, to note there. One thing I want to briefly touch on, which we won't talk too long on because we've talked about this before the whole music theory conversations yeah um because so it talks about and this was my biggest question talks about making the opposite of a tone or or like like the antithesis of a tone yeah and this always gets me because and, and brandon sanderson describes this he had a lot of describing with this i thought it was almost funny how much? Because it talks about how, you know, a, a sound is a wavelength. It's of, of, yeah, it's a wavelength on a graph. <laughs> and so if you make the opposite of it, for every peak, there's a trough on the opposite, and vice versa. For every trough, there's a peak on the opposite. But if you hear the opposite of it, where there's a trough and a peak, like, it's just going to, if you, play that like it's just gonna sound the same. Right. You're hearing it at a fraction of a nanoseconds like difference, you know. And so like it's not gonna make a difference in your ear just because it's the quote opposite of it. Like it's the opposite is still the same, essentially, just barely moved. You know? Right. And so like logically (laughs) I I Elliot mentioned this earlier of of um it feels like Brandon Sanderson gave a lot of descriptions and then almost left me wanting for more, a little bit on like, it's it still doesn't quite add up. He explained all of that and then it was like, and then I found the real anti um, thing that the anti sound to, to make anti-void light. Um, and at first I was like man, that, I kind of wanted a little something more. I was left wanting. But I thought about it, and I was like, well, we'd be asking Brandon Sanderson <laughs> to, like, come up with the actual, like, anti-to sound, and I don't think, I don't know how practical that is. Right. Um, and so I, I didn't think too much about it, honestly. Like, I kind of um, just let things go with that, but but it was still neat to, to kind of hear that, um, and I like how... Brandon Sanderson gets real in depth with everything he uses, um like with literal like sound waves and the physics of that, I guess, and you talked about it in a previous book, I think, with g force and how he talked to pilots or things like that, and just a lot of stuff like that. I'm sure he talked to musicians or did some research on music theory for this, you know right um but that that, that was one thing I wanted to touch on briefly about this. Um, anti void light
2: I love that explanation and that breakdown as well, where he really got in the weeds of the math behind the music, which was super cool and i followed I followed as far as everything you explained there of you know the the peaks and troughs of your of your sound wave your your sine wave that goes, and your your opposite is the same thing it's just kind of shifted, and then he gets into this. Navani finds the actual opposite by hearing the same tone, but then somehow being able to discern a difference. And she's able to kind of tune her ear into a difference. And then she's able to shape her plate that she's working with to be able to create this tone. That's still somehow the same tone, but it's somehow different. Yeah. And that was where i kind of got stuck was is there a actual real world scientific explanation for what she's doing here or are we really delving into like the magic here is there are, are we are we breaking physics a little bit here with the magic and i i think i think it's it's that latter because a certain word shows up again here yep. a certain capitalized word and that's intent she talks navine yep. talks about how she realizes that as she's doing this she has to have intent in what she's doing to be able to hear this special anti tone and so i'm wondering if i'm wondering if we're starting to get into the 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 phi of the sci-fi that the fiction side of this of we're going to take sound wave physics And now we're going to, now we're going to tweak it. Now we're going to show how, show how on Roshar it's different and how the singers, Raboniel specifically, hear things differently than a human does because the same tone that a human ear hears the same, the singer hears differently. And Navani is somehow able to kind of tap into that singer ability with her intent somehow. Yeah. So I yeah I
0: was gonna mention that unless, unless you didn't. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on everything you guys just said. It's it's the same wavelength except shifted over however many you know seconds or whatever, and the way that he explains this away is intent capital I intent and. Do you guys remember our ex- epigraphs from *Rhythm of War*? Um, from from part three, uh, the previous part, our epigraphs were from *Rhythm of War*, and it took us until the end of that part to 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 find out what *Rhythm of War* was. Do you guys know what *Rhythm of War* is?
1: It is a book written by Navani. Yes, it's
0: her notebook. Um, mm-hmm. And there's notes in it by Raboniel and Navani. Specifically in this chapter, Navani rescues the book and walks out of the room because she knows that Raboniel, what Raboniel is about to try and she knows the outcome of it. So she rescues the book, walks out of the room, explosion, walks back in. And the last excerpt from the last epigraph we get in part three is this. This is written in by Navani's hand or Raboniel's hand. Um, in Rhythm of War, and it's this. Intent matters. Intent is king. You cannot do what I attempt by accident. You must mean it. This seems a much greater law than we've ever before understood. That's the final epigraph of part three. Incidentally, we, I know people have been waiting. We'll be going over epigraphs for part four next week, since this episode is going long. But, so, the way that, the way that Brandon Sanderson is explaining this, and it, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, uh, but this is how I'm interpreting it, the cognitive realm is is influencing this. I am going to try to create this opposite tone, and so the spread of this plate is going to form itself to create what I'm trying to intend it to. Does that make sense? Kind of. Kind of. I think so. That's that's the best definition I can give you is that I'm the magic is I am trying to create this, therefore the magic will use my mind and adopt to that. I'm trying to create a lashing upwards I have an intent of creating a lashing upwards. It's going to create a lash, lashing upwards. I'm trying to create an opposite void light pitch. It will create an opposite void light pitch. I don't know if that helps.
2: Bringing a in bit. the yeah. the spread of the plate actually helps me with a bit of this because I was a little confused there. I, I follow the the logic there of Navani can tune into this tone with her intent, or she can help create this with the the magical intent that the cognitive realm kind of reflects or whatever, however that works where I kind of, where it kind of lost me was Raboniel walks into the room and Raboniel grabs the plate that Nibani just made slaps it on the table, plays the note. And it's the, the anti note, like where was the intent there? Clearly Raboniel Raboniel, sorry, does not have that because that's the missing piece that right. she doesn't have, right? So clearly, Navaniel. Wow, I cannot say names tonight. Navaniel, Matching everything yeah. together. That's that's the it, ship
0: of both of them, Raboniel <laughs> and Navani. <laughs> yeah.
2: Navaniel. Navaniel. Navani has apparently imbued the plate with the the new with intent tone. Yeah, right. The the intent is has been done and now the plate plays the new tone and so bringing in yeah perhaps the spren of the plate or the plate itself somehow that ability has been transferred to it so that anyone can now pick up the plate and play the the new tone but she had to create it with intent right okay so i think that that, that helps me okay yeah i've i mean before
0: when I when I read Rhythm of War for the first time and this whole thing came up, I was like, I will worry about that later. I do not understand. <laughs> so you're not you're not alone here if it doesn't quite click for me on, on first read. And capital I intent is certainly things that are certainly a topic that Brandon Sanders has been asked multiple times.
2: What else in this chapter? Two quick sciencey shout outs. The first one, I thought Navani was incredibly clever using a vacuum tube to do this part of the experiment because she realizes that if I put void light in a vacuum, it can't hear sound because in a vacuum, there's no particles to transfer that sound across. And so she's able to isolate it. And then expose it to her new tone at exactly the moment that she wants to. So that was that was very clever. The second one was we finally got an in-text direct and clear explanation of what an axon is or an axi in plural. Yeah. I remember this getting dropped by like Yasna. Yasna and Oathbringer. Like yep. Middle of Oathbringer. And I like full stopped on that sentence like what the heck was that and trevor i think i think you did us a favor and you just explained to us what it was in that moment because it wasn't super important but when i when i read this and finally Raboniel explains what an axon is to to navani i was just thinking back of man if i didn't have you to explain that to me i would have had to wait an entire you know book and a quarter to finally get this explanation of what yasna mentions you know a thousand pages ago. Yeah. So, what is the in in book? Definition I, I was wondering axon? too. I, I missed I, this. <laughs> I guess we should explain that. the The explanation, the answer that we we finally get here, is that an axon is basically just an in universe reference to like an atom. It's it's the the smallest you can split something down to it's the the indivisible building block of of matter in that if and they the description the discussion that they get into here is actually even on the polarity of these axi and get really into the science of okay when you're using these tones and affecting things what are you doing to the individual axi that are involved in this like Oh man, we're getting like molecular science now. Yeah, in our in our story here, this was this was serious. Anything else? I don't think so. It was a big chapter. There was a lot to a lot to process in there. Yeah, the
0: very end, like the last two paragraphs of the of the chapter, is the war effort part of Raboniel finally revealed of why are we actually here? Like besides Raboniel's personal, uh, vendetta of releasing my daughter from eternal craziness, um, the, the war effort version is we have found a weapon to use against cognitive investiture. And it can it, so this anti light that we anti void light that we have found expels void light from the room when they use it, and I have this mental image. Uh, I know this is not quite canonically how it happens in the book, but if this were ever on a visual adaptation, I have a I have a mental image of Raboniel walking over to the table, playing this anti void light plate. And all of the spheres that are lighting the room are void light spheres, right? Because stormlight, well, that's not necessarily. But assume that all of the lights in the room are void light spheres. She goes over and plays this plate, and all of the light rushes out of the room. And it's pitch black. The screen is pitch black. And then, you— and the camera is, just track with me here for a second. The camera is from Navani's point of view, and Raboniel has her back to Navani, plays the plate and then all the 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 screen goes black and all the void light rushes out of the room and then Raboniel turns and looks at Navani with the realization of what just happened and all you see are her two glowing red eyes because it's the only void light left in the room you see your two glowing red eyes as the void light slowly creeps back in from the hallway and then you get the realization from on Raboniel's face of what she just witnessed that's how I imagine this visual adaptation to go. So that'd be super cool. We have a we have a weapon against investiture. Does it expel it? Does it destroy it? When it's under pressure, is 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 a question we have here? Because when it isn't, so as far as the mechanics go, it's basically just a a, a magnet, a, a pushing away magnet. And when when I play this tone. It pushes void light away, but when the void light is under pressure and can't go anywhere, it causes a heat, exp- a heat and pressure explosion. So does that destroy the investiture, or does that just discharge it, or you know whatever? Um, so now we have a mechanic to expel void light, and Raboniel says, "Great, now it's time to do stormlight." Is how the how the chapter ends and that is the reason why she has kept all of her radiance alive in the tower that's why she's allowed them to go through so much effort to keep them alive and cared for so that she has live patience to test uh anti-stormlight on once she creates the proper plate so we that it could get quite dark quite fast here in the tower
1: Yeah, or that's fine. Whenever <laughs> I so thought involved. this was funny because it was like, all right, we did it. We found anti-void light. Then in my mind, it's like it pauses for a second, and then she's like, Now do Stormlight. And right. it's like, uh <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I'm super worried
2: about our radiance at this point. Like, I I imagine where when we pick up the storyline again. Rabonio could have the power to just go into that room where they're all in a coma and just one at a time stab them with these special knives and just kill all of the humans and also kill the spren Therewith with is she the, says the it's, implication there. It
0: specifically attacks their spren and kills their spren because she equates this. She equates Radiance and Fused as the same, where you kill a Radiant and it's reincarnate the and just comes back with a new radiant. You kill a fused, the fuse just comes back with a new body. Like the, to her that's a one-to-one match. But now we can kill both of them with these with this power. So
2: that is where we're left at the end of part four. Anything Which, else for the chapter? Just a quick mention of the irony there when you think about are Adolin's storyline. Adolin has just at least partially successfully convinced the Honor Spren that it's not quite as dangerous as they thought to bond with Radiance. Yes, exactly. And yet now, they don't know this, but we do, Raboniel now just discovered a power to destroy Spren, perhaps permanently, Whereas Adolin just kind of convinced them that, yeah, that doesn't actually normally happen. And so, yeah, a little bit ironic there.
0: Which leads me to the question, do you stab the Radiant or do you stab the Sprint with the the dagger? Second question, where's Syl? Hmm. We left Syl in the atrium. Remember, she she was in the she got separated from Kaladin with the well cover, and then Kaladin had to go so far away that they lost their their bond. They lost their connection, at least temporarily, and Kaladin can't hear Syl. So is do is Syl captured?
2: That that's really bad if that's true. Yeah like still is about to be test subject one yeah 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 i don't know i have no idea where she is i really really hope she's not in a lab in rabonio's back room right
0: all right uh we will sum up part four next week uh to trim down this episode. We'll also do epigraphs of part 4 next week and we will be entering part 5 as well. So excited for that. Do you guys have anything closing
1: thoughts for this episode, Paul or Elliot? A lot to look forward to. I'm excited for interludes. Our last interludes of this book um are for a while really, for a long time. Oh. Um <laughs> last interludes for a long time um but i'm excited for him so same i'm very excited for where we're headed here in
2: the the wrap-up of this book sounds good let's reconvene
0: next week thanks for joining me paul and elliot see you
1: bye, bye.